The emergence of COVID-19 has forced the legal industry to rapidly undergo a fundamental transformation. I'm Jack Newton, CEO and co-founder of Clio, the world's leading cloud-based legal software provider. In each episode of Daily Matters, we'll explore what this new normal means for law firms, how legal professionals can find success while working remotely, and how lawyers can best serve their clients during this unprecedented situation. Today, we welcome Kevin O'Keefe to the show. Kevin is the CEO and founder of LexBlog, a network of over 25,000 bloggers providing real-time news and insights powered by the legal community. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Jake. It's, uh, it's my pleasure and honor. So Kevin, first and foremost, how are you and your family doing? How are things in, in Seattle, which is obviously one of the, the earlier uh, epicenters of the, uh, the, the broader pandemic uh, outbreak? Uh, well, as far as here, it's me and my old lamb. <laughs> my five kids are old. Your, your running partner? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he just completed a year straight last week. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, my kids, you know, are older, so they they really don't want to come by me. You know, so I I haven't I haven't seen face to face for the five kids in over a month, um, and uh, they all live within ten minutes of here. Uh, one daughter and her fiance have come by a, a couple times. Um, that that type of thing. So it's uh, you know, it's different. It's it's different that way. Um, it, it, I think what they're thinking is they they don't want to infect their old man and uh, it's in a higher age group and do something to him. So it's it, it, it's it's strange. I think Seattle, you know, I think from the national perspective, it was it was labeled the epicenter because we had the first death. Now, primarily that came, you know, they it came from a nursing home, you know, which nursing homes are lethal. I mean, you, right. put, you put the virus into a nursing home and it's just a matter of how many people are going to die, not whether somebody's going to die. <clears throat> so that just exploded on national news. But, you know, even though Seattle had a, you know, a hospital put up at, a, you know, an event center next to the football stadium, you know, it was never occupied and taken down. There's never right. been a day there hasn't been enough hospital rooms, ICU units, and our emergency rooms have never been more crowded than they would on any on any average night. So the community certainly has impacted like every other significant community in the country. But I don't know that it's been worse than than other communities, and certainly a lot less than cities on the on the East Coast and how dire it's become. Um, yeah, agree. There, yeah. And how are you managing that uh, social distancing with your kids? Are you are you jumping on more Zoom calls or or anything along those lines to, to no, stay connected? We do some we do some Zoom. Our family has always had a had a text with everybody on it forever. You know, so as soon as they say, you know, somebody's going to go to a bar and play pinball, then somebody else chimes in or right, you know, this or that. You know, I was kind of dumbfounded the other night that. We're all on a Zoom call. It lasted a long time. You know, I start to jump off it. And I'm sitting there working in my living room on something. And they just continued to talk to each other like, you know, the tightest best friends in the world for the next like hour about <laughs> about everything, which is stunning to me, you know, to have kids that are, you know, now twenty-seven to thirty-three to all be their best friends, all of it in the same large city. Um you know, and they seem to be coping pretty well, you know, just jumping on and just talking. You know, then you, you talk with, you know, relatives back in Wisconsin doing the same thing um, and putting yeah. on Zoom, that type of thing. They can call their grandfather and put him on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've, 
who, I've had who kind of a, about all this? A, a cool and similar experience where uh, much of my family, as you know, I'm based in Vancouver. Much of my right. extended family uh, is based in uh, Edmonton, Alberta, which is one province over from us, uh, you know, a couple thousand miles away uh, on the other side of the Rockies. So we, we normally only see them in person, you know, two or three times a year at the most. And what's been cool over this uh, COVID-19 experience is we've been doing a lot more uh, Zoom calls, a lot more video calls with the whole family. My parents dialed in and my two brothers and their families dialed in. Uh, the younger cousins will jump into the calls and, and joke and have, we've even set up the the iPad with a Zoom call just for the cousins who are kind of ranged between seven and and 11 years old, uh, of age and, and they all just have a great time together. So it's a pretty cool it's a pretty cool experience for, for me to see, uh, to, to actually, you know, bizarrely and, and, and paradoxically feeling, you know, more connected to my family, in know, in Alberta over this crisis than I, than I did beforehand. Yeah, it could, it could be, you know, I'm, I'm kind of <clears throat> laying on my daughter to proceed with her wedding in June and we'll just do it, you know, on zoom, you know, in the, <laughs> the federal courthouse is across the street. Right. <laughs> the old right. I said, we'll just do it on the steps on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> with about six or 12 of them, you know, the 10 immediate family and we'll zoom it across the country. <laughs> yeah. Just be spaced out six feet apart. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it, it might be something. I, she, she hasn't said no yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's a new reality. And I, I think the, the difficulty right now is if you're punting from June, when are you punting until? Because there's so much uncertainty about when, when we get on the other side of this and maybe to, to pivot to the next question, yeah. Kevin, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, what's most on your mind right now? Uh, you know, it, it, you know, sometimes it, it comes back to me or back to the company, but I, I think even when I start to think about that, I, I really think about, uh, you know, I mean, I, you know, we're in the States, so we immediately think of the United States economy and the people in the country, because I'm not as familiar, you know, with other uh, nations and communities and their economy. But I, I, I don't think that, my gut's telling me that we, we are not anticipating how bad it's going to be. Um, somehow we're thinking that, you know, this is going to get phased, lifted, you know, starting in June or something. Um, and somehow life will be remotely similar. And I, and I don't think so. And if it doesn't get remotely similar, then the economy is going to, we're going to be crushed um, because we're a consumer driven economy. You know, there's, now you've probably seen it in Vancouver, but our stores are boarded up. You know, mm -hmm. will people go back to buying at those stores? I don't know. Um, uh, well, they they walk into the Gap or Banana Republic or some of the other stores, you know, around Nordstrom's downtown Seattle. <clears throat> will will people fly, you know, for you know until sometime, you know, at the end of 2021 or something? That's a yeah. long time. Um, yeah. you know, hotels and the restaurants. You know, what will this economy, you know, look like? You know, how long can the United States continue to just send out money? Um, you know, that's yeah. That's a tough situation. So there's be a lot of smart people figuring this thing out. You know, heard this morning that that after we locked down the whole, you know, I think maybe it's just New York, maybe it was the United States, but we've 
we reduce the spread to only 0.9. Meaning, if you get it, Jack, you're gonna you're gonna you're going to spread it to 0.9 other people. Right. Before we locked down, it was going like <clears throat> one to two. That's a bad deal because the, yeah. then the next two spread it to two, and we got something going on. Um, <clears throat> we got to keep it down to about 1.2 for this to work. So the margin for error is only between 0.9 and 1.2, which means that I can't imagine, you know, the governors and the federal government and the states is going to open up yeah. things until we get some type of uh, great treatment or vaccine. Now, the, 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 the faith you have, you know, the optimistic side um, are, is innovation and technology. You know, the, we're going to do more in the next year than we've probably done the previous ever. <laughs> yeah. For for the speed at which we can test vaccines, you know, and you know, my daughter texted, you know, all of us yesterday and said, uh, "Hey, uh, one of her managers just got pulled off her team to go over to the vaccine team." <laughs> wow! Because <laughs> because Amazon's going to be working on <clears throat> vaccines and they're going to build their first lab. First lab. <laughs> I mean, how many really? how many labs will Jeff Bezos build? Um, how yeah. many How many how many scientists will Jeff Bezos rob from other institutions, you know, with something to say, how would you like to be something that could be bigger than, uh, than AWS? Mm -hmm. <laughs> because That's... we want to build something that can produce viruses and treatment on this. And then other, or, 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 or you know, to build, you know, vaccines, build treatment for mm -hmm. this virus and other viruses, they're going to come. So yeah, it's uh, you know, the same way, same way that you guys have done all those things. You at Clio, which maybe revolutionized the way lawyers are approaching the, you know, how they store things and how they interact with clients and think how fast this can go now with all the governments in the world investing in, in something. Yeah. I, I, I think there's going to be an already unprecedented unprecedented levels of collaboration between, you know, governments and, and different scientific bodies. And I, I think there's a lot of cause for optimism that we may be able to get to a vaccine, get to some kind of treatment for this disease faster than the, you know, 18 to 24 months that that's being projected right now. And it seems like increasingly that's our only way out of this mess. Um, yeah. And Kevin, I'm curious, you've been a lawyer for 35 years. You've been in legal tech before it was called legal tech uh, for 20 plus years. Right. Uh, you've been covering the legal industry, uh, you know, through the, the dot-com crash, through the, through the 2008, 2009 financial crisis. Have, have you ever seen anything like this in your career? No, I, you know, no, I think nobody's seen anything like this before. You know, it, right. there's just, there's just no way, you know, unless we were alive at the depression or behind the lines in Europe and uh, world war one in the hospitals or around world war two, you know, we just, we just haven't seen anything, you know, and the only thing that it's going to hold us up, you know, the, the, the government having that, that, per, that parachute for us, um, to, that does more than, than it used to do. But no, it's, it's, uh, you know, I mean, you sit here as business owners and, you, and you're, you're going, okay, we're on a subscription revenue. Yeah, and the subscription revenues continue to come in and people are even buying. But, you, but I just keep thinking, 
that can't keep going forever. No, I, I'm an optimistic person. Right. <laughs> but I, I have told my, my COO, you know, to give me the, you know, the yellow, <laughs> yellow envelope, the green envelope, the yellow envelope, and the red envelope for, right. various, for various financial situations. So that I don't want to worry about it in between. I just want to know what our plan of action is at various levels. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good way of putting it. And I think every, every business owner needs to be thinking about that, uh, that scenario and, and what was your, your downside case a month right. ago may all of a sudden look like your best case. Yeah. Yeah. You, you just don't know. And I think there's that natural anxiety in the back of people's minds that normally you're not living with that anxiety. You know, you're still working, you're still doing things. Um, you're still selling, um, you're still leading a team. Um, but there's something in the back of our mind that throws our focus off. At least it does me. And I've talked to other people that mentioned the same thing. So maybe more on that point, Kevin, I'm, I'm curious, you've got a really unique vantage point, uh, you know, running this, this blog network of thousands of, of lawyers sharing their perspectives and opinions on what's going on with this, this crisis. Uh, can, can you tell me what some of your biggest takeaways have been uh, about the crisis and what its impacts on legal will be? Yeah. I mean, I, I from my <clears throat> standpoint, what I'm, the biggest takeaway is that lawyers are rising to the occasion. Um, they are, they're producing insight and commentary like they never have before. You know, so in the case of, of lawyers that blog, don't, don't assume that they're being driven by SEO or traffic or anything. The best bloggers blog to help people. You know, so when I go talk to them and say, why did you start a blog? I wanted to help people. So if you're, if you're writing on employment law today, you just can't write enough stuff. Because if you're a business owner and you need information, there's so many questions that are, that are coming up. You know, if you're writing on FMLA, it's the same thing. How would you like to write on food safety issues today? You know, you're normally writing on issues that have to do with, you know, various foodborne illness. Now we're dealing with, with problems with meat supply. And we're dealing, right. you know, those, those type of things that never came up before. But to watch lawyers rise to the occasion, because who else would cover this? There is nobody else. Nobody else can cover these things. And what impresses me is that if associations come out and say, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to put together a body of information so that lawyers will have it or business people will have it. They can't produce that much information. You know, right. we watched the, uh, the flow of content from the beginning of February just go like the, the hockey stick growth on the virus. It went like, okay, here's a post. Here's another post. Okay, here's three or four. Okay, here's 50. Here's 100. Here's 300. All within a month. <laughs> a month. You know, to watch that. And so all of a sudden, to basically say, okay, they're producing 300 posts a day. That's a lot of content. Just on business days, that's 1,500 different posts a day. We, we, there's, there's so much insight and commentary. We're trying to figure out how do, we, how do we pattern that? How do we make it presentable in ways that people uh, can use that database of information and then siphon it off to other people? So I think like other companies, and I'm sure like yours, it drives innovation here because in five days we can say, hey, can we identify all the content on the network, no matter its source, that relates to the virus? And then can we present that on another site, whether it's for us or for an organization as it relates to their people? And in five days, the guys, the guys did it. You know, so that's cool. <laughs> so that's, that's, and that's, and that's, the, that's the coronavirus legal daily site that you launched? Yeah, but it also can be sliced for other people. So now we're slicing it for the New York City bar. So we can okay. say, okay, who are the members of the New York City Bar that are publishing on that? And then what members of the New York City Bar could be given a free, a free spot to publish on the virus by us 
so it can go into the New York City buyer site. And then a law firm can do the same thing. Shepard Mullen did it and said, okay, among all our blogs, among our 30 or 40 publications, there's many people writing on the virus. In fact, everybody. That's all the push you're writing on. <clears throat> well, let's create a Shepard Mullen uh, publication uh, on the virus. Because what the lawyers want to do, oftentimes in the firms, they want to share content from their own firm with their client so that if right. they're sharing with a business owner, they're not sharing it from another firm because it'll look like that. Their firm has more expertise. They want to share right. it from their, <laughs> they want to share right. it from their partner, you know, whether the partner's in Shanghai or DC, wherever. So if you can take all that content, that lawyer has no idea what they have. But now, you know, the, you know, three days after, after we showed them that they said, this would be cool to do. They have it. And, and then you know, they can say, this is pretty neat. We can look up content coming through. We can share it with our clients. And so with law firms are doing is they're being smart. They have got to connect with people in relationships that establish trust. So you, you've got to produce insight and commentary on the type of questions that you're already getting and getting that information out to people in a, you know, in an honest way, authentic way. And Kevin, you've, you know, for a long time, uh, blogged at real lawyers have blogs. And in a recent post, you, you showed this hockey stick exponential curve of posts about right. COVID-19. If you're a lawyer that is on the front lines, keeping track of the developments that are, are, are changing sometimes on an hourly basis. And I think a great example is if you're an employment lawyer, you know, look at how rapidly the, the landscape is changing on, on, on that front. Uh, and you haven't been blogging is, is now a good time to start or is it, is it too late? No, I, you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday, I think it was in, might be the New York city bar or even maybe it was just our team, but don't think of it as blogging. Let's go back to like 95, 96. Look at Reddit. People just, if I think, do you want to do a blog? Oh my God, I don't have any time to do a blog. I mean, imagine right. someone telling somebody they want to do a blog and they're, they got three kids, three kids in grade school and they're being homeschooled, which means the teacher comes in, says the Pledge of Allegiance and wishes everybody a happy day. <laughs> you teach your kids all day while you're trying to work from home. It ain't going to happen. Uh, but if I, if I said, here's a list of frequently asked questions on employment law that relate to COVID, here's 25 of them. And it doesn't matter whether you answer them if you're in Los Angeles or San Francisco or Sacramento or wherever, Google will match you up with the locale, <clears throat> with the people that are in your area. And if you want, I'll give you the questions. All you got to do is answer them. I'll give you the site for free. I'll give you, or if you don't want a site, <clears throat> we'll just give you something called a spot. So you can put in the information. It'll appear in this site. <clears throat> you know, it, it's going to get indexed, you know, whatever. But just look at it from the standpoint of <clears throat> that, you don't have the opportunity to do the same thing. You just don't, because as you know, 85% of the people think we're relevant to them, meaning as lawyers. So we're only competing for 15% of the market share. What if that market share just got lopped in half? What if it's right. only 7% coming out of this? So now we got only 7% of people that think we're the same thing and compete for that 7%. That's not good. So very simple things would be, Maybe in the evening, I just have these frequently asked questions. I just answer them. That's it. And then just imagine yourself talking to somebody, you know, across the table at a restaurant or a bar you know, with some empathy and empathy for that. So you don't have to think about writing this big blog. You know, it could just I mean, could you imagine if somebody just started something, Jack, and it said, uh, um, uh, you know, COVID, 
19 answers for employers in Edmonton. Right. And then they, every day they answered two. Word would get around. And, and Google would know that, that, there, that there's a lawyer that knows something about employment law in Edmonton that's answering these questions. And that would spread on Facebook. It would, it would be in a publication. The content could get syndicated other places. Now, just try to think about how you can be, be helpful and it doesn't have to get really, doesn't have to be grandiose. So Kevin, is it as simple as be, be helpful and you'll build an audience and a, a following? Yeah, I think be vulnerable and, and be helpful. You know, I, I, I don't think lawyers appreciate how important being vulnerable is. I mean, that's how I learned to be a lawyer by not having a clue what I was doing and knowing I made, I could screw something up. Um, I can't screw up a contract or a pleading, you know, statute of limitations, but I, I tried cases without ever going to court with, with a lawyer before. Um, and so when it comes to the internet, there's, there's no severe damage you're going to do. You're dealing with people that are very, very scared, you know, they're, whether they're consumers or, or business people, anybody that will care for them, that is real and authentic, they will remember because you'll build relationships founded on trust and you'll build relationships founded on emotions. And people remember things when they're in an emotional state like this. So if a, if a lawyer is just willing to answer questions, and I used to tell that to bloggers starting out, and it probably is just as relevant today, even though we've gotten into all the crazy things people try to do. <clears throat> what are the questions that people are asking? And, uh, you know, write it down in a law firm. I mean, to tell you the truth, I mean, at, at Prairie Law and then at, at LexisNexis's lawyers.com, we went out and found the FAQs. All I had to Google was, you know, a particular issue FAQ. And then I right. would see them on law firm sites, bar sites, <laughs> whatever. And I would tell the team, we cannot steal that exact question. And we can certainly not steal the content. But we can certainly take the, the emphasis of that question, answer that question. And there's probably still content all over, you know, a site that uh, is with Avo Martindale with FAQs that were done years ago. Um, we just created lists and then those were answered by lawyers. Um, lawyers can do that today. And I think with the sophistication that Google has, it'll, it'll match up the location of where the people are, but be vulnerable, be authentic. It really works. I think the idea of being vulnerable is one that many lawyers I've spoken to struggle with uh, and almost view it as a, a breach of their responsibilities <laughs> to their clients to be vulnerable in any way. Can you explore that a, a bit more deeply and maybe share whether you have the, the same observation around the, you know, the psyche of a lawyer? I think it's around everybody, you know, and, you know, you tell a team member to be vulnerable. Right? Well, that's easy for you to say because <laughs> right. you're, you're in a leadership position here. Right. Um, you know, and I, I'm trying to prepare my, my team for, you know, later where they'll be in 10 years from now, probably not going to be with me. Um, uh, but being vulnerable makes you more valuable to people because the more vulnerable situations you're in and the more tough situations you've been in, the more anxious situations you've been in, the bigger challenges you've had personally, the better equipped you are to help people, you know, including your, including your clients you know, just your life experiences that, that you've had. You know, um, I mean, you know, they're called attorneys and counselors. Um, there's a counselor component to it. And you better have picked up some opportunities where you became vulnerable. And the Internet's all about being vulnerable and, and being social. I mean, 
I mean, I always thought that Canadians had an edge because they were more social. And you know, I think I wrote once blog like a Canadian um, because they, they were more engaging with people. Um, but I always came to the internet. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing because what the hell was the internet in 1995, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> What's this AOL and you put in the keyword legal? Right. And, uh, all of a sudden, all these people have questions and you go, wow. You know, um, now I was, I just took the position that if I got disbarred because I was breaching confidence or I was saying things, you know, that were affecting somebody in another state or that had a license, then I was in the wrong profession. You know, mm -hmm. but I just, I just thought that, you know, we should be able to answer questions generally to help people. This isn't legal advice. It's just general information. And, and think of the amount of information that's being passed. I mean, it, it's not just coming from codes and case interpretations for the virus, but we've got, we've got, you know, city uh, orders. We've got state executive orders that are coming down. You know, what does it mm -hmm. mean? You know, mm -hmm. What does it mean? You know, what does it mean when the, you know, somebody comes out and says, okay, you, you have to wear a mask and they have to be of this, you know, this quality for this type of thing for your employers. Does it mean you have to supply them? You know, <laughs> where do you get them from? Right. Uh, those are all, that's all information that you might be able to gather and get up on a site. And how nice would it be for a lawyer to do that? Now let's go back to Edmonton where they, they put it on a site and they also copy and paste it, or maybe they put it at Facebook first and then they copy and paste it to a site. How nice is that every day just to take 45 minutes or an hour and answer a question and assume the virus is still going to be going on. We'll still have issues going on to be a year or more from now. Imagine doing that. <clears throat> Even just every week, Dan, a month you'd have 20, two months you'd have 40, three months you'd have 60. So there's 60 bits of information that anybody in Edmonton could Google and find. And who isn't going to remember that that lawyer took their time to do that? Yeah. That's, that's, and, and then, and maybe get that information out. Not it's on your page at Facebook because people don't relate. You know, somebody sends me a notice and says, you know, do you want to like my business page? No, I don't. <laughs> but if, <laughs> if Facebook comes up and says, you know, you might have an interest in being a friend with so-and-so that's a lawyer, then I do like them. So get it on your personal Facebook page so it can circulate around your city and then put it on our, we'll, we'll give you a, a, a place to publish it for free. And you can decide whether you want it to be, to be public interfacing or whether you want it just stored with the content being syndicated, you know, on Lexbog and other places. Right. Um, and I, I think something that many people don't appreciate until they start seeing the dividends pay off in the long term is you invest in creating that content you invest in creating that goodwill. And that's something that, that really pays dividends forever. A, a good piece of, of content, a high quality answer, that's all going to be compounding interest for you over the next five, 10 years and beyond. And, and, and that it does, but also what compounds the most interest is you as a person, you know? So if, if I'm out, if I share a piece of information, if I share a piece of information about publishing or syndicating content or whatever, you know, that gets a certain volume of engagement, you know, and from good engagement too. If I get an email from a CMO this morning on something, but but if I go up and take a walk and just want to sit in the sun on the cathedral steps and take a picture of me and my dog, 
you know, looking at the, the sunset over downtown Seattle, it could be 50 or 100 people look at that, mostly in the business world. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so they, what they're doing is they go, oh, that person has the same, <laughs> you know, what do they do in the evening to get out? Where do they walk around that I do? You know, so, you know, I think there's a lot of that too. I think lawyers would be, would be, this is the time to be different. And this is not the time to be the same. You have to yeah. change. And yeah. I think I, I, I think I heard that from one of your, your interviews with somebody, you know, that you have to do something different. And maybe the time is now to be real, to be a person because people yeah. appreciate real people. Go start to use I, Facebook. Take, take pictures of your, your family in the backyard having a, you know, sitting outside because you can't go anywhere. <laughs> or, or yeah, I, I think some, it's, <laughs> absolutely. And it, I think it's actually been a very interesting, you know, common thread through, through many of my, my interviews on, on the show around this, this need, both an opportunity and a need to be more human and more empathetic and more real in this, yeah. you know, in, in this crisis. And it's maybe an opportunity to experiment uh, where we haven't had that permission or, or that ability to really try to change and evolve how we're doing things as a, you know, as a profession. And I think you're, you're helping underscore that, uh, that point. And Kevin, maybe shifting gears slightly, I'm, I'm curious, you, you commented recently on Twitter about the effect the pandemic's having on news publications with uh, that are seeing really stark declines in advertising revenue. Uh, we, we saw just yesterday the LA Times furlough, I think 40 plus staff because its advertising revenue had basically gone to zero. Can, right. can you talk a little bit about what you're seeing from the, the front lines and, and what the implications of that drop in spend will have? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, it was Saturday, I think, and I <clears throat> was out early, out walking, and I looked at my iPhone and noticed that GeekWire here in Seattle just furloughed a bunch of people. And I go, wow, why'd that happen? You know, <laughs> you know, right. and that, then immediately, the next thing was advertising. That's right all the events, all the restaurants, all everything. GeekWire's lost those, those, that advertising. They've lost their, their revenue. Um, and then you start to see the publications that I noticed. I think it was the, the Buffalo paper or Cleveland paper. Basically, from what the discussion was, this, this could be the beginning of the end. You know, do you even come back from, from this? Pretty stunning because they were already in a world of hurt. Um, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess I, I don't know but uh, there was some um, like Disney's obviously getting killed because you can't, you can't make much I mean now they have their entertainment but Netflix is killing them <laughs> uh, on their entertainment empire um, but you're Bob certainly not Iger making... <laughs> stepped out just at the right time didn't he <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll see you <laughs> yeah the the but... poor guy he handed the reins over to uh, was dealt a pretty poor hand. <laughs> Uh, but it, there was, you know, and I don't always read all the, the whole story, but what I was reading is that, that Disney's going to reinvent itself and they will not be the same Disney they were ever before. Yeah. So, so what does that mean? You know, that's what I started thinking about publishing. What does that mean for publishing? Is this, was this the, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back? Mm -hmm. What will be the new publishing? Now, the only challenge is that if you, 
you know, if we were to look and say, who are the most innovative news publishers in the world? Who are the top five? I don't, who's number one? I don't know. Mark Zuckerberg? I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, maybe Google. Uh, so that's tough. So I think something's going to change. I, it'll be interesting to see uh, in legal what will happen. Um, lawyers are willing, will, lawyers do different things. They'll pour money into trying to get <clears throat> vanity. Uh, you know, the, I think there was one time years ago, I was sitting in ALM's office and I used to stop by and see them all the time. And I, you know, I just said, there's a, I said, somehow I said, this idea I have is, I guess, a little bit vanity based. And I go, what do you think all these people are doing? We're all, <laughs> all right. working for vanity. So can you afford that vanity where you're having PR and communications people spend a lot of money to try to get you publicity when maybe that publicity isn't worth so much at those places anymore, those core publications? Will they be what they, they are? You know, can they afford, you know, how much can they go eat down? <clears throat> and then you have, you have law firms that will produce content and then pay to have people distribute it. You know, is that all going to be the same? I, I don't know. We, I mean, you've been around for what, 11 years at Clio? Yeah. You know, 12. Uh, yeah. 12. You know, when we hit 15, it was like, how many businesses do I know that are 15 years old that said, we're going to double down on being the same. <laughs> right. <laughs> it gets really scary when you think that. And you got to so, change. We got to change how you pivot. And so, you know, well, speaking us, of, of vanity, do you have the, you know, 20,000 square foot high end AAA office space downtown with the, the marble lobby and the, the 20 foot ceilings, right? Yeah. Can you, you know, can you, can you do that? You know, um, I don't know. There's probably going to be some clients in the United States that seem to appreciate that, that, that stuff still. It's going to be hard to know, but the publishing thing is, is really, really interesting. And I, I, I'm intrigued by the model of people that already have a, already have a source of, of, of revenue. They're like lawyers. <clears throat> they get paid based on their time or smarter. They would get paid on a subscription. Um, and so if they publish content, they can give it away because if somebody will syndicate that, that copy and give them their own site too, they don't need a revenue model for that copy. And there's right. no way that a, a legal publication can compete with that because <laughs> And in the absence of advertising dollars, the need for this free content goes through the roof and the opportunities to get that content syndicated and the opportunities to get reach for that content probably multiply by an order of magnitude. Yeah. And then, and then, and then for the, for the syndicate or, you know, from my standpoint, what's my revenue model It's not to license the content it's to license the technology by which that, that content can be displayed and it can be distributed. So if I can give you an API so that and you license that so you can, can drop this stuff in your database and distribute it how you want to, fine. Or, or you, we can give you a SaaS platform on which you can publish the content. So you're licensing a SaaS platform. It just comes loaded with all the content that you need. So that, you know, you'll find out in a couple of years whether this is a good idea or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's a great time to experiment. I guess. <laughs> what other um, choice do we have? <laughs> it, exactly. Exactly. Necessity is the, the mother of invention. Yeah. And maybe may shifting, you started to touch on the implications for legal. Uh, in shifting more fully to that conversation, I'm curious. You know, we're obviously underway 
well underway in what we'll look back on, I'm sure, as the most rapid period of technological transformation, as well as practical transformation in how legal services are delivered, probably in the, the profession's history. And, and again, you've got a, a unique and wide-spanning perspective on, on what's happening in the, in the industry. What's your, what's your take? What, what are you seeing happen at a, a macro level? And, and what are you hearing in terms of maybe specific stories around how firms are adapting to this new reality? You know, I think there's two things going on in, in like in large law, there's a couple. I mean, there's a little bit reactionary, you know, that my God, we got a problem, so we better do something. But, you know, some of it is, it is, it is planning, you know, so we can't believe that things are going to go as they are. So we've got to reduce OPEX, which primarily is people and, uh, you know, you're furloughing people, you know, so they're, you know, law firms are furloughing people and they're reducing uh, the draws of people and they're reducing the, the salaries, you know, right now. Um, I, I did talk with, <clears throat> with a friend that has worked with some very major law firms, two of them and led some business development efforts at, at two of them. And I just asked her at the end of the conversation, we were just having kind of social for an hour. And uh, I said, what do you think? <clears throat> What's going to look like at the end of the year? Dramatically different, um, dramatically different. And, uh, she may have used something along the lines of, of right sizing. You know, this will, this mm. might bring the change. This might bring the change that we needed to have brought before. Um, and, and I think that they're going to, I, you know, I, who am I to know? I've never worked in one of these organizations. I sit at conferences and listen. I, I think lawyers should think about new revenue models. I mean, they, they think about delivering legal services and they talk about whether there should be an hourly fee or subscription fee and everything is about delivering legal services. Um, there's other things they can deliver. You know, when I visited Milbo the first time back in probably 96 or something, I couldn't believe the, the quality of the publications that they had. And uh, I'm thinking, hell, these ought to be sitting in my lobby with people buying them. Um, right. You know, I'm, excuse me, I could, I, they're preparing people for a deposition better than I could. The books were great. And all the lawyers were afraid of them because somehow everybody was going to stop using a lawyer and use Milbo, which is kind of right. silly. But right. <laughs> But, but today we have technology. I mean, you just at your, at, at, at Cleocon, you know, you watch some of these startup companies, they're cool things. You know, yeah. could the lawyers be involved in licensing those? I mean, uh, depending on how many customers you have and how they could use that. Is that a new revenue stream for you? You know, I, I don't know. You know, there could be different ways that you deliver the, the outcome as opposed to mm-hmm. the, the time. I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know, but I, you know, I, I think that, that lawyers ought to be very tight on niches. I think niches are really a golden opportunity right now. So right now you have a name. I was talking to a firm in Houston and New Orleans, not a, not a, not a huge firm. And they were telling me, you know, what their lawyers wanted to do on a particular subject. You know, it's a big subject in Texas. I said, and then I, I asked one of my team members, I said, is there a blog? on the pandemic and that particular industry right now? No. I go, holy shit. I mean, that's, that's right. gold. There you go. <laughs> I mean, there's I your mean, opportunity. I mean, there's your opportunity. And so you're going to, I mean, think about how emotionally distraught these business owners are on various types of issues and the bonds you will make with them over the next two years. I, 
they'll come to you for everything, including their divorce at that point in time, because they trust you. So you look, yeah. look at your niches. How many industries do we have? I mean, look at all the industries that your lawyers cover, Jack, and, yeah. and, and Cleo. You know, what if each one of them would just say, you know what? I think I'm going to start answering commonly asked questions related to the pandemic for this industry. And the next thing that I know, within six months or a year, they will be the lawyer in the country on this issue. There was nothing that will present them from being on you know, Canadian broadcasting or in the States on CNN on that, for that particular industry. That niche will never be as good as it is today. Um, because it'll be every, who is, is there anybody walking you know, around that isn't affected by the pandemic? No, everybody is. And so now you go into a particular industry and say, okay, here it is. I think the interesting thing about the dynamics that we're seeing evolve here as well is if you go niche and you're in a very small geography, that can be kind of rate limiting in terms of how much business you can generate. But I think what we're also seeing right now is this willingness to work in a highly distributed work way and your where you are, where you live, where you're doing your work matters a lot less than it used to. So I think you can go very niche, but then increase your reach to uh, broader geographies, both you know, within your state, but also potentially additional states or even, even nationwide within that niche. Those niches always work. I mean, the first lawyer that did fashion law, she, has, she does work around the world. I mean, mm -hmm. she wasn't limited to her city. Um, exactly. The first, lawyer, the first lawyer that did cannabis law, she does work all over, and she was not limited to her city. Now, these were people that probably looked at be a little bit strange uh, back then. Well, who, who needs anything on cannabis law? Uh, <laughs> who needs anything on fashion law? I've never heard of fashion law. <clears throat> right. And, uh, you know, those young people um, uh, did extraordinarily well. You know, and, and they, you know, if I were to look at those, those two women, the things that I would, you know, say most about them, very passionate about what they do and very positive about probably life and, and what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kevin, maybe a slightly different perspective facet on the, the same question what do you see as being some of the lasting changes and shifts we'll see in the, the legal industry on the other side of this, this crisis? And, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, do we see normalization of a work from home environment? Do we see uh, the idea of distributed work being more widely accepted in law firms? Do we see a pivot, you know, away from the, the hourly bill model as, as you referred to earlier? Do we see a right sizing of the industry? I'd love for you to, to walk through what some of your predictions might be on that front. Yeah, I'm probably not as optimistic. <laughs> now that I've been in this for so long, <laughs> probably about a 10% difference from whatever it is today. <laughs> yeah, there'll be some committees. Also happy to hear a sobering perspective. No, no need for optimism. <laughs> it was, as you talked about that, I, I, I was imagining, you know, we're, we're going to announce a committee or some committee and then we'll have a committee and then, <laughs> but, right. we, but we won't, but we won't be able to have the meeting of the committee until we can, until we, until we, until we, can, go, until we can go to resort and meet. <laughs> I shouldn't be, but yeah, I mean, that, yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's a fair concern. I mean, can, can law firms be agile enough to navigate this, this crisis? Maybe the real well, question. One thing I, the one thing I do wonder is, 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 could this be the time when things really happen? You know, so, you know, 
you've been to enough conferences where people talk about change, but you've been, been to the, you've been to the, going to those for 12 years. Right. <laughs> and they're still talking primarily it's about kind the of the same, same <laughs> the same I message. Mean, yeah. The cloud was going to happen sooner or later. I mean, hell, I was using Salesforce when I started LexBlog, you know, and it had cloud on the top, no software. I didn't know what that meant. All I knew is I logged in and all our stuff was there. Uh, yeah. You know, and, uh, it's all the same stuff. People talk about the same stuff. You know, what are we going to do? And we're going to give greater access to people that market to be able to deliver work to the lawyers and participate in the fees. And some states are doing this and some revolutionary change. You hear, hey, you know, out in Utah, they're doing something. And you're going, well, that, well, that isn't, it's a small place. It's not a major change. <clears throat> I'll bet that in the science and in the medicine, they're going to make major change because they have to. I mean, look at what Amazon did. It's in the space. That if Amazon is really in the space, things are not going to be the same anymore. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they're just because they're going to drive that. And you got Bill Gates driving change. You know how brilliant guy saying what has to be done, and people are going to get it done. <clears throat> so here we are in the law, and we're going to say, well, we can have some really brilliant people. We can have innovation. We can have technology, but but we can't do that. <clears throat> maybe, maybe this is the time because, you know, you've also been at conferences where people say, well, we, we, we do pay attention to the rules of the bar associations and whatnot, but understand we're a lot like when we pay taxes, we try to pay as little taxes as possible. So we navigate what we can do and what we not do under the rules. Maybe this is time we just blow right through that, that stuff. Just blow through it. I mean, what if people were really delivering access to legal information in new ways through companies that didn't exist before yeah. or, or through models that didn't exist before where maybe the lawyers work at those companies and make more money than they would make in a private practice? I mean, what if something like that happened? I don't know whether it will. That's the optimistic side the, that we can. Um, I've never been, a you know, I, I can't say everything. I think I'll get in trouble, but uh, I, I, I think sometimes the the uh, the bars <clears throat> supervising lawyer rules kind of slow things down, and if we put that in the hands of you know the state, you know, we'll mm-hmm. govern lawyer lawyer practices, and then businesses will, will deliver legal services whatever they're supposed to be delivered. Um, and maybe there'd be more people that would have what what they need at an affordable price. I'm I'm fascinated by the things that do not pay comes out with. It seems like every week. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, it was an, it was another one this week that he announces he's yeah a new have. tool to <laughs> automatically file for for EI, EI claims. Uh, yeah, I've got uh, Josh Browder on the docket for uh, for next week. Looking looking forward to that conversation. Well, he knows better Kevin, than me. Then. Uh, yeah, it, I, I I agree with you, and and there's certainly a lot more we could uh, we could talk about, but we're unfortunately coming up on Way on time and and. Uh, uh, let's do a, a part two uh, at some point and, and get a refreshed perspective on on where you think we're headed here. Uh, and, and to conclude, Kevin, uh, maybe a parting thought. I would love to hear from you uh, your main message to to others, speaking to them either as legal professionals or you know simply as human beings. Yeah, I, you know, I think what's most important is is people's families and and their health and. Uh, you know, we have no control over this thing to, to some extent. And the, the worry that we put into it and the anxiety we can put into it is only going to increase. 
you know, take us away from what's, what's important. I mean, you got a young family, you know, uh, uh, I've got my kids that, that are older, you know, so I think it's the, the health of the family and, and mm-hmm. the family, family itself that is most important. And just always remember that it's always, it's always family. It's always health. And then everything will always work out some way. <laughs> we don't always know, but it always works out every time. But it certainly gives you a new perspective on the uh, <laughs> importance of family and health. And I, I think that's a, a terrific note to, to end on. Well, Kevin, thanks so much for joining us today. It was great chatting with you and stay healthy there in Seattle. Likewise, you take care. Thanks for joining us on Daily Matters today, a podcast from Clio. Rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Daily Matters is produced by Andrew Booth, Sam Rosenthal, and Derek Bolin, and hosted by yours truly, Jack Newton. Thanks also to Clio, the world's leading cloud-based legal technology provider, for supporting this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Clio, please visit clio.com. 